God, we come this morning standing in utter amazement at the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess that apart from your mercy, we are an absolutely hopeless people. Therefore, Lord, I ask specifically in light of your word, in light of the sweet reminders that we've already had through song, as what we will continue to do in being reminded of the gospel as we continue as a congregation this morning, I pray that everything said and done would be for the hallowing of the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, in light of that, I come confessing my absolute, my absolute inability to do anything of any lasting spiritual significance this morning. Father, apart from you working, apart from you speaking by your spirit through your word, I can say and do nothing that will have any lasting impact on anyone here, including my own soul. And so, Father, I pray that in your mercy, would you please get me out of the way? Would you speak through your sufficient, inerrant word? In light of that, I also, Lord, pray that for anyone here, for all of us here, Father, that you would get us all out of the way. Lord, I don't know what distractions and various aspects of life that have been pining for the attention, allegiance, and affection of the hearts here this morning. But Lord, I pray that you would would put them aside so that the, the praise of Christ, the glory of God, would be what we set and fix the attention of our hearts upon this morning. Lord, again, we ask that you would do this, that we, whether it be here at Crossway this morning or the beloved body of Springs of Life in Durham or any other faithful church that you are building, Lord, may we together praise God Almighty. And we ask again that you would do this for your namesake and your people's joy. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Well, as has already been mentioned, Uh, My name is Shane Smith, and I have the unmerited favor of being the primary teaching elder of Springs of Life Bible Church in Durham, North Carolina, a precious flock that in part can be, has already been stated, that flock can blame Pastor Ray for me being there. Um, But the reality is that it is such a joy to come together and open the word of the Lord with like-minded followers of Christ. I am incredibly humbled to be asked to come worship with you this morning by Pastor John and your other elders. We at Springs of Life so appreciate this body and look forward to the potential of more partnership with, again, such a like-minded congregation When I was asked to come herald the sufficient word to you this morning, I was stirred to have us examine a passage that I truly believe, when understood properly, is not only one of the most encouraging texts in that particular book, 
but it could be very high on the list of some of the most encouraging passages in all of Scripture. And that text is found in a book often called the prophet Jeremiah's Prayer of Pain. So look with me in Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5, specifically verses 1 through 5. And if you are aware of the reality of the prophet's word in this entire book, you know that the book of Lamentations is full of real and honest expressions of sorrow regarding his and the state of God's people due to the Lord's proper discipline because of their sin against this thrice holy God. And here at the beginning of his final chapter of this book, the prophet declares some truths that at first reading may sound strange to call encouraging. With that, let's dive in and see if your elders have made a terrible mistake and asked a confused man to come preach this morning. So look at, again, Lamentations chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink and wood we must be and and the wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. Aren't you filled with hope? Probably likely not. And that's understandable. However, beloved, we must understand that these verses in the proper way to see how they bring us to a point of lasting hope. First, let's grasp what the prophet Jeremiah has made plain in these texts. He pleads for the Lord to remember what has befallen the people of God. He asks the Lord to look and see their disgrace. Notice that there is no blame shifting here. As if to say what they are going through was somehow undeserved. They have rightfully been disgraced. And the prophet is pleading for God to remember, to look, and to see. Now this request is not made as if the Lord forgot, had his eyes averted, or was blind. Jeremiah knows the Lord he is praying to does not sleep nor slumber. Psalm 121.4. This is a cry we see throughout the Scriptures from God's people, pleading for the Lord to remember His covenant that He made and act according to His character and not based upon the sin of His people. Now the Lord will do just what Jeremiah asks, but in His timing as we will see. And then in verses 2 through 4, the prophet expresses the condition of this disgraced people in some important imagery. He states not only are these people disgraced, verse 1, but their inheritance has been turned over to strangers and their homes to foreigners. Basically, their inheritance 
has perished and been lost, verse 2. They have become orphans, specifically fatherless, and their mothers are now widows, verse 3. This people must pay for the water they drink, and the wood must be bought, verse 4. This means not only have they been exiled from the land of promise, they are also without the basic essentials for life. Water as well, water to drink as well as wood to cook their food. However, they are so poor, they have no way of purchasing what is needed to survive. And finally, finally, this people are under the burden of a pursuer who's got them by the throat and will not give them any rest. Verse five. Now, after hearing that, You'd likely and understandably be asking, how in the world could I say that these verses are some of the most hopeful in the entire book of Lamentations, let alone the entire scriptures? Well, when grasped properly, the hope begins to shine when we understand the grace of God and his unshakable kingdom compared to the false little k kingdoms that lay in shambles. And it has everything to do with the new covenant. To see this, I hope you have your fingers ready to do some flipping of the scriptures this morning. First, the prophet who is lamenting here has already pointing pointed to this hope to come. Look back, you're in Lamentations, just flip a few pages earlier. Go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah, starting in chapter 31, and specifically starting in verse 31 of chapter 31, and going to verse 34. Notice what, again, that same prophet that was lamenting in chapter 5 of Lamentations, hear what he says, beginning in verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. But then notice the next chapter's context. Look at Jeremiah 32, verse 36. So you're in 31, look at 32, specifically starting in verse 36. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning this city of which you say, it is given into the hand of the king of Babylon by sword, by famine, and by pestilence. So the context is the promised land. That inheritance that was given to strangers, specifically of Babylon, is lost. 
And then listen to the new covenant promises made after this in verse 37 to 42 of Jeremiah 32. Behold, I will gather them from all the countries to which I drove them in my anger and my wrath and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and I will make them dwell in safety and they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for their own good and the good of their children after them i will make excuse me i will make with them an everlasting covenant that i will not turn away from doing good to them and i will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me i will rejoice in doing them good and i will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I have brought all this great disaster upon this people, so I will bring upon them all the good that I promised them. The question is, what is the good? Is there an immediate context where the Lord brings this exiled conquered people back to the physical inheritance of Jerusalem. Yes. However, the greater context is the greater good to those of a greater city. Look at Jeremiah 33, specifically verse 8 and 9. Here the prophet says in Jeremiah 33, I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me, and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. Please do not miss the ultimate good the Lord is promising to do for this people beyond the temporal hope of Jerusalem fortified, the great good to come is this people's forgiveness. They will be cleansed and their guilt taken away. And we get this language of a city that will be a joy to the Lord. And all the nations will hear of this good God and then what He has done for this people. And then catch the final phrase in verse 9. They, those who see this grace given by this good God, will fear and tremble because of all the good and prosperity He will provide for this people and this city. You see, there will be so much awe, reverence, and proper fear that those who see this good that God has done will tremble at the grace of this God. But the question again comes, when does this good come about? Is this solely about a physical city and a physical prosperity of this nation? 
Well, we know that the reality of the new covenant doesn't allow us to land there. As 1 Corinthians chapter, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 makes plain, all the promises of God, including these made regarding forgiveness and good and prosperity being done for the people of God, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In Christ, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And here we begin to see why Lamentations chapter 5 verses 1 through 5 as the hope-filled passage it's meant to be for us in Christ. Because hear me, everything that Jeremiah expresses as being lost in this season of pain would be restored and made right through the work of Jesus Christ. Let's look back at Lamentations chapter 5, specifically verses 1 through 5, and see what I mean. And I want to work backwards through these verses to grasp this. So to start, start with me in verse 5 of Lamentations chapter 5. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. So Jeremiah is saying there is a pursuer at the necks of God's people and they have no rest. But beloved, think of the glorious fact that in Christ Jesus, the exact opposite is true. Our pursuers of sin and death and the devil were at our throats. And then because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, they all have been defeated. And in coming to him, we have true and lasting rest. Listen to the sweet words of Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, where Christ says the following. He states, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Beloved, what was lost and shaken in Jeremiah's day has been restored and solidified in Jesus Christ. But that's just the beginning. Look at verse 4 of Lamentations chapter 5. Look at what he says. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. So God's people must pay for their water, for drink, and wood for cooking. But if you would do a study through this entire book, you would quickly realize that the people here are left so impoverished that they can't even afford to even buy these things that are needed. But look at two passages that point to hope for those in this condition. Look at Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, specifically verses 1 through 5. And listen to the invitation of our Lord. Come, 
everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." So here we have a call from the Lord, an invitation to the idolatrous as well as the impoverished. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come buy and eat, come buy milk and honey without money and without price. Though you can't pay, come as if you bought. And what's this rich food and water that is promised? It's not ultimately a place or a possession, but a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to John 6, 35, John 6, 35, where Christ famously declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Beloved, again, what was shaken and lost in Jeremiah's day has been solidified and restored in Jesus Christ. But again, that's not all. Look at Lamentations chapter 5, verse 3, where the prophet says, We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. Jeremiah is weeping that the, that many children of his day had lost their fathers to war and exile and their mothers had become widows. He specifically calls these people orphans. Oh, but beloved, is this not one of the sweetest new realities for those in Christ? We aren't rebellious orphans any longer. We've been adopted by the Father. As John says in 1 John 3, 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we, we broken, we rebellious, we former enemies of this God, that we should be called children of God and so We are. If God has called us this, it's a done deal. We ought to not only tremble at justification and sanctification and our future glorification. Oh, but for us in Christ as his very own, we should marvel that we have been adopted into the family of God. Listen to the sweet words of Paul. From Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, going to verse 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us 
in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He says in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Don't you see that our father predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ? The other side of this illustration is fulfilled as well. The mothers were made widows at the death of their husbands. However, stand amazed that it was the very death of Christ that purchased his bride, the church. Again, all that was shaken and lost in Jeremiah's day has been restored and solidified in Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, look again at Lamentations chapter 5, verse 2. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. The prophet expresses the loss of their inheritance. It's been turned over to strangers and the fact that they have lost their homes to foreigners. This is all connected to the Babylonians coming and putting the city of Jerusalem in shambles. The the temporal inheritance of this land, this city, and this kingdom has perished. Oh, beloved, if you are in Christ... We know that in his mercy, we have an inheritance that is sealed and can never be lost. Look back at Ephesians with me. Look at Ephesians. We were in Ephesians chapter one and look at verse 11 through 14. In him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Also, look with me. First Peter, first Peter chapter one, verse three, first Peter chapter one, first Peter chapter one, starting in verse three and going to verse five. I love this text. Listen to first Peter chapter one, starting in verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Notice this to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various 
trials. Beloved, in Christ, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, and praise God, it is kept by the power of God. There is no threat, hear me, there is no threat, foreign or domestic, that can shake or destroy or cause us to lose this better inheritance. Beloved, don't you see all this inheritance that was shaken and lost in Jeremiah's day has been restored and solidified in Jesus Christ. And this is all by the grace of God to a people who deserved nothing but disgrace. And hear me this morning. Our Lord will forever remember his new covenant commitment. But we need to remember something else as well. Our Lord in mercy will allow these temporal cities, these little K kingdoms to fall and be disgraced to remind us of the rock solid grace kingdom, city, and king that will never be shaken. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 24. And notice in verse 24 that everything to be described is directly connected to the new covenant and the blood of our perfect Mediator. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, notice what this new covenant is all about, and what this better blood speaks to a kingdom that can never be shaken. Look at verse 25 to 29. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. Why? In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Beloved, please take notice that this is the new covenant good promised back in Jeremiah. Specifically, that there was a city, a kingdom that the Lord would bring that cannot be shaken. 
Don't you see why Lamentations chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, truly is, when understood properly, full of new covenant hope? Even if, like in Jeremiah's day, our earthly blessings of inheritance and relationships and provisions and rest are lost, even if all these are shaken to pieces, beloved, because of Christ, our mediator of the new covenant, we in Him are now part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken and will forever remain. And notice what verse 28 and 29 says ought to be produced in light of this great good. We just read it, but notice it again, starting in verse 28. Therefore, based on that fact, based on the rock-solid hope of this unshakable kingdom, no matter what the earthly kingdoms around us may do, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In essence, the author of Hebrews is calling for the same response Jeremiah said would come back in chapter 33, verse 9 of Jeremiah, where it says this, This city shall be to me, the Lord, a name of joy, a praise, and a glory before all the nations of the earth, who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. And catch this. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. Crossway, how could we not tremble in awe and in reverence at the one who has done this great good in bringing us into this unshakable kingdom of our glorious and victorious king. Let us stand in trembling praise to the one that has solidified and restored in assured finality all that the prophet Jeremiah was lamenting. But I fear today there may be some within the sound of my voice that can't tremble at this good because you are still a citizen of this world and all its shaking little K kingdoms. I pray that the Lord, this consuming fire, would shake your little K kingdoms to the ground so that you in grace would repent and trust fully in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ as your only hope. Because hear me, all other hopes will be shaken to rubble, either here or in eternity. But maybe there's another group within the sound of my voice this morning. Maybe some of you here feel like Jeremiah did. Maybe because of long-term health issues. Maybe job situations. 
Maybe family relations. Maybe you have wayward children and it breaks your heart every day. Also, just things are going well for you, but you've been around in 2020, 2020 to 2022. What in our current season has felt stable? Does it not feel like all that once was solid has been shaken? But hear me, beloved. Take heart that Jeremiah's prayer in verse 1 of Lamentations 5 has been answered. God did remember. He did look. He did see our disgrace. And He sent His Son to be disgraced to make us in Him whole and also that He would set back right everything that was broken. For those in Christ, let us stand in trembling awe that we still have rock-solid hope because this Savior has become our inheritance. He has brought us to the Father. He has become our bridegroom. He is our fountain of living water. He is our sustaining bread of life. And He is the one who has defeated all our pursuers and is our true and lasting rest. Beloved, if that news does not encourage you to proper praise and trembling amazement, I do not know what will. May we respond in praise to our unshakable King and the promise of His unshakable kingdom. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Jesus Christ. Thank you that everything necessary for our salvation has been accomplished in him. Thank you, Lord, that every single one of us who is now by your mercy adopted into your family, part of the true kingdom. We once were citizens of a shaking kingdom. We were once running after things that could never satisfy. Lord, I pray that we today, those of us in Christ, would marvel and tremble in awe-filled praise at what you accomplished and what you are continuing to do because you, the one who began this work, has promised we'll see it to completion. Therefore, Lord, as those who are part of this better kingdom, let us respond in proper worship. And may it be a sign to all of those around us and they be quick to ask and ask us to give a defense for the hope that is in us even if the little K kingdoms around us are in shambles. Because Lord, we can still rejoice. We can still praise. And we can still worship you because the unshakable kingdom that you brought us into by the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Father. You have promised it will forever remain.
Therefore, Lord, help us today truly seek to be a people who praise in trembling worship of our great God. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.